Welcome to Heart, Soul, and Mind, the podcast from Centenary United Methodist Church. I'm Dr. Glenn Kinkin, Senior Minister here at Centenary. My hope is that this podcast will give you some good news for your journey today. Our scripture lesson today comes from the letter of 1 Peter, chapter 4, verses 12 through 14, and then chapter 5, verses 6 through 11. Let us read now and hear the word of the Lord. Dear friends, do not be surprised at the painful trial you are suffering, as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice that you participate in the suffering of Christ, so that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. If you are insulted because of the name of Christ, you are blessed for the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all of your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Be self-controlled and alert. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him, standing firm in the faith, because you know that your brothers throughout the world are undergoing the same kind of suffering. And the God of all grace, who called you to God's eternal glory in Christ, after you have suffered a little while, will once again restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. To God be the power forever and ever. Amen. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Would you pray with me? Almighty God, as we gather and hear your word read and proclaimed, remind us that we are the church. We are your children, and you call us to be the church even when we are not gathered in your house. Because the church is more than just a building. The church is us. Your children active and practicing our faith in the world around us. So this morning, O oh Lord, Fill our hearts so that we may leave our homes and that we may be the church in the world around us. In your son's holy name we pray. Amen. Many of you will remember Gary Larson, the comic author of The Far Side. Now what I liked about Gary Larson is he sort of had a little bit of an off-bubble way of looking at life sometimes. And every once in a while... He would take on God, trying to figure out what it is that God might do or might imagine in sort of Gary's mind of what God is. So one of my favorite ones was sort of God at creation, and he had a lump of clay, and he's running it between his hands like this, and God goes, ooh, these things are easy, and you see a whole stack of snakes lined up. As funny as that was, trying to imagine God at creation forming us and everything around us. The one that I found very provocative was this image where God is looking at his computer and on the screen you see 
an image, and it's of a person walking out of an office building, and way up high is a piano being lowered out of the building on a rope. And you see on the command line of the computer, now those of you that know old DOS systems, you remember that there were command lines. But the command line of the computer was rope breaks Y slash N. And you see the Y is in the cursor box and God's finger is hovering right above the enter key. Now what's provocative about that is it gives sort of some, it's Larson's theological explanation sometimes of why things happen. Maybe the reason that there is misfortune and pain in our world, but he was so wrong about it. And as are we sometimes when we think that the pain and the misfortune that we feel around us is caused by God. See, it's an age-old question that plagued even the early church. The author of 1 Peter is writing to that church and explaining them to be, faith be faithful even though they suffer. It's as if they cried out to him and they said, Peter, why do we suffer We've done everything. You said if we followed God that there would be nothing but goodness. And we have followed and yet we suffer physical, emotional, mental, spiritual pain and distress. We are persecuted because of our faith and pain still exists. Are we not good enough? And so Peter's answer to them is this. Remain faithful, remain steadfast in your faith. Our suffering helps us understand Christ's suffering on the cross for our sins. Humble yourselves before God and lean on God because God will guide you through. God loves you. Hold fast to your faith. You are not alone. And I think about that text that we just read today, and I wonder, what does that mean for us as 21st century disciples? I mean, are we persecuted for our faith to the extent that the early church was? Maybe in parts of the world, but really not here in the United States, really not in any part of our country are we persecuted because we go to church because we are Christians. Do we experience suffering in life? Do bad things happen to us? Yes, on both accounts. And so what are we to make of these facts and what God calls us to do and who God calls us to be? How are we reconciling them to our understanding of the practice of our faith and discipleship? In other words, how do we live as faithful people in light of suffering and misfortune? or when bad things happen to and around us. The text again provides us some answers. In verse six of chapter five, we hear these words, accept it with humility. In verse seven, trust God to care for you. And in verse 10, have confidence in God to overcome all things. See, these ideals can help us as we face challenges in our lives that are coming now or may come in the days to come. As we look around and realize what's going on around us, those three scripture verses might actually help us as we practice our faith and as we live as disciples in the world.
From an early age, we understand the idea of consequences. Depending on when you were reared as a child, as you acted up in the house, as you misbehaved, you might have gotten a warning to stop. And then if it continued, you might have heard some phrase like this, if you don't behave, I will either A, send you out in the yard to pick a switch, or B, don't make me get the wooden spoon, or C, do you want to go to time out? I'll never forget one of my younger colleagues, a real good friend of mine, he tells a story that he and his younger brother Jeremy, they were in the yard playing and his brothers sometimes do. David and Jeremy got into a bit of a tussle. Okay, they got into an outright fight. And so at the end of it all, Jeremy being the aggressor, Jeremy just realized that he knew that he was going to get told on for starting it. But he felt sure that his older brother would get the brunt of it all. And David, knowing how the landscape might get laid out, David just went on inside and sat in the timeout chair. And his mom said, what are you doing? And he said, I just went ahead and put myself in timeout without even explaining what had happened. You see, we understand cause and punishment causality. And so sometimes we want to blame our misfortune on something that we did. And sometimes we know that for a fact. We know that if we, miss, if we mess up, that there is a cause and a punishment. But see, the trouble comes is when bad things happen to good people, doesn't it? See, sometimes when there's no direct tie-in to the bad things that happen to us, maybe it's a bad car accident or an illness or a streak of bad luck, we're tempted to explain it away by saying, God must be punishing me for something God must be testing me for something. But that could be not further from the truth. You see, sometimes in life, bad things just happen through no fault of our own without any degree of causality. You see, it's in those moments, this is when our faith kicks in. See, our faithfulness, faithful disciples, we look at the cards that are dealt to us in life and we accept the situation at face value without any sort of self-flagellation, without beating ourselves up, without blaming God. And instead, we chart a course for a faithful response. That is what God calls us to do. And so as we begin to understand that God just doesn't do that to test us, then we realize that our faith is in something deeper. Because, see, sometimes when we're faced with suffering and difficult times, we're tempted to say, God must be trying to teach me something. It implies that God causes pain and suffering because God wants us to learn something. It goes back to sort of what Gary Larson was trying to do with that image of the computer where God plays sort of puppet master in our lives, but that could not be further from the truth. See, we believe in a God who created us, who redeems us, who sustains us, a loving God who cares about each and every one of us and all the children of the world. God only wants the best for you and for me and for all of our brothers and sisters. God only wants us to live an abundant life. So therefore, God would not inflict pain on us or on any of God's children just to teach a lesson. Instead, what God does when pain and suffering land upon our lives and in our corners, 
God cries and God's heart is broken for us. It disturbs God greatly when God's people are in pain. The Lord's heart breaks at human suffering and misery. See, the heart of God breaks in the quarantine room. The heart of God breaks over neglected children. The heart of God breaks over young black men who are killed just for jogging. The heart of God breaks over job loss and worry and stress that it causes. The heart of God breaks over the opioid crisis and the pain that it causes in our families. The simple message is is that we are not alone in our suffering. Instead, that God is right there with us, brokenhearted, walking side by side. And we realize that the suffering that happens in the world, that we are not alone, that God cares and is right there with us. At that moment, our faith begins to rise up out of the muck, out of the mire. We begin to realize that our feet or on a solid ground because we have a God who loves us with the greatest passion of life. We have a God that cares for us and for our plight. When Bill Gaither penned the lyrics of Because He Lives, he was writing an anthem of faith similar to today's scripture lesson. Listen to that chorus, Because He Lives, I Can Face Tomorrow. Because he lives, all fear is gone. Because I know who holds the future. And life is worth living simply because he lives. See, because of the resurrection of Christ, because of his suffering and death upon the cross, we have hope that our suffering will end, that our suffering will end in a time and that we will receive God's glorious hope in the resurrection. See, our faith tells us that God does not cause bad things, but instead that God cares about us, that God's heart breaks with all of our pain, but it tells us that God's healing power comes with the resurrection, that God's healing power will fill our souls and that we can overcome it because we are walking side by side. In verse 10 of our scripture says, God of all grace will restore, empower, and strengthen and establish you. See, my brothers and sisters, therefore, God only not, not only cares about us, but during our deepest trials, our greatest struggles, God is strengthening us, holding us up, empowering us to face the challenge of head. Uh, that is what the resurrection hope is all about. And so on this, the Sunday of the Ascension, we remember that Jesus finally left the earth after his resurrection, after teaching the apostles and the disciples, as he was raised up in heaven in glory, we are reminded that we have resurrection hope. And though while at times in our lives we might be tempted to ask this question, what did I do to deserve this? If we're asking the question, then we probably know the answer is nothing. That just sometimes bad things happen. Or maybe if we're asking ourselves, what is God trying to teach me? We're asking the wrong question because we know that God is with us. Maybe the better question we should ask is, where do I see a broken-hearted God walking beside me, holding my hand, lifting me up? And then finally we ask, 
How will I get through this? Well, our faith tells us that we are not alone, that we will get through the difficulties and the trials of our lives because we have a loving, constant presence of God, strengthening, empowering, and guiding us every step of the way. And we know these answers because we have a faith in God who sent Jesus to show us the way and to tell us of God's love. We have this because we know of a God who sent Jesus to die on the cross for our sins and was raised from the dead because we know of a God who sent Jesus to be raised from the dead. And the Bible tells us so. See, God loves us, and we are not alone. And so as we celebrate the Easter season, as we celebrate the ascension of the Lord, let us all cry out from the heavens, God loves us. We are not alone. Thanks be to God. Amen. Thank you for listening to Heart, Soul, and Mind, the podcast from Centenary United Methodist Church. We hope that you'll consider joining us for worship on Wednesday evenings at 7 o'clock or Sunday mornings at 8.30, 9, or 11. Have a blessed day.